Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 301 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. We have on this week's episode our resident philosopher, farmer, winemaker, long-time regular contributor to the program, straight out of Stockbridge, Vermont, Almighty Todd, and we discuss holiday lights, the solstice, equinox, bodhisattvas, and uh, reflect on how the holiday brings up issues for a lot of folks, you know, after the holidays have passed and we're into the new year. We look at keeping yourself together and living an examined life and uh, some truth and reconciliation as well, among other things. A great conversation with our resident philosopher, Almighty Todd, today in the program. We also have an EWSA titled Up Vine and a New Yorker article just published in the early part of January by Rian Conk titled Bad News, Good News, a bit of humor, I would say, and a poem called Pretend as well. And of course, as is always the case, all of this will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so wonderful to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 301 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours.
Vine. As I drove my wife's Honda up Vine Street on a Friday morning, I witnessed a woman, presumably in her third decade, wearing a long down jacket with its hood up and drawstrings pulled tight, flick something into the street a few moments before I drove by. She and I glanced rather intimately at one another, as sometimes early morning naivete allows. It felt as if I witnessed an improper action, like she had been seen doing something that she should not have done. This woman's eyes were exotic, deep, big, brown, intense. With them, she communicated to me that I should not judge her, I should keep going and let it be. A sense of shame radiated from her face as well. As I processed this interaction while continuing my drive up Vine Street, a block up just after crossing Wyoming Avenue toward Washington, I heard a distressed, crazed set of vocal outbursts from another female. I did not really see her as much as I heard her consternation. I thought that maybe she was on her way to or just coming from a nearby shelter or maybe the county-run counseling center. It's a sunny, crisp January morning in the northeastern United States. I am on my way as a married, middle-aged, heterosexual, whitish male to teach algebra to several 20-something single moms a very interesting set of moments in my mind. Symbiotic, erotic, fraternal, paternal, maternal, and alone, like an empty drone witness. I sense myself simultaneously connected and oblivious to our humankind. I suppose this could be the Tao of Sublime.
Almighty Todd, is that you? E.W. Conundrum, my friend. How are you? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. The year hasn't been too bad so far. <laughs> well, it's only the fourth day as we speak. Yeah, I know. There's plenty to go. There is. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, same to you. And uh, all of our listeners, you know, uh, you get to hear the Almighty reflect and look forward and I am sure stand in the present today on the program here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. It seems to me, based on our text communication, you want to talk a little bit about the state of affairs, I guess, society and government-wise. Maybe. I don't know. I, I we'll, we'll get there. I'm, I, I'm still like cringing from last year and wondering where uh, things are taking us this year because uh, the roller coaster seems to be, uh, you know, it's one of those rides where it keeps going around and around again. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But I've been having some musings. I got into a conversation recently with some folks because there's the uh, the perpetual argument or negotiations and families about holiday lights holiday lights you want to start there holiday lights yeah just just as a complete uh you know different vibe from from usual but it's because it's kind of mundane but it's one of those things that it's interesting the the what it brings out in people's interests and uh passions but i mean like for i mean i'll just ask for you in your family, like when do the Christmas lights go up and when do they come down? Well, um, that's governed by <laughs> when we can get all the kids together to put them up because it's sort of, you know, that's the tradition. And you know, we have right. a number of kids in my yep. clan. So we have uh, one that's away at college. So when he gets back from college, then we try to, you know, gather and, and get the lights up. But this year, this year, the, the day we put the lights up, it was a total debacle. <laughs> it was. We ended up not finishing. We all, everybody was arguing. I, well, I wasn't. I was trying to keep the peace, but that didn't work too well, you know. And then I ended up putting up on my putting them up by myself when when none of the kids were here and peace and quiet. <laughs> peace to all and goodwill to men. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was. It was. It, yeah, it was a debacle. But so, you know. Yeah. So when do they come down? Uh, we usually wait in, in these parts uh, till um, after Russian Christmas, which is okay after the okay after the Orthodox Christmas. Right, exactly, exactly. And so, when is that this year? Does that uh, move around a little bit? I'm not. I'm. I, I should know that. And I. Yeah, it does move around. I, you know, I have a couple of friends who uh, are. They actually follow that. You know, the Russian Orthodox, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I kind of follow their their lead in that regard and I and I know when they're celebrating it because you know they they kind of make a big deal of it and uh as soon as that's done and also my brother's birthday is right around the same time usually so oh, okay. that's a good gauge too uh, so I you know, like the the 8th uh 7th 8th of January is when you know a week or so after the new year Okay, because yeah, because I there were some more uh, secular folks that I know were like arguing. Oh, January second, it's got to be down. It's got you got to be like cleaned up and ready for the new year. And and then you know I I live with somebody who because we live in you know, we're up north and it gets dark here for a long periods of time. That having that extra light is kind of nice. 
and uh, so there's some demand for it to be on much longer into the season. But we uh, we finally we finally came to an agreement here, and we came to kind of a pagan agreement, and that is the the lights can be up from from the solstice from the winter solstice until cross quarter, which is uh, Groundhog's Day. Wow, isn't that in February? That, that's the half. That's February second. That's the halfway point between solstice and equinox. So, in order to keep the 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 fires burning through the night, we we've kind of uh, that's what we've settled upon. So, I'm not going to fight it any more than that. I think that makes sense. When you say we, what do you have? Some sort of tribunal up there in Stockbridge, Vermont? Yeah, or? no, no. This is just uh, just here in the. <laughs> On the on the the homestead. <laughs> oh, you and the wife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who's more of a proponent of the lights, you or your wifey? Uh, not me. No, a- as much. Well, it's just you know, it was. I, I'm thinking in terms of uh, kilowatt hours and things like that. But you know, you start using LEDs and it doesn't really matter as much. And um, but I was I did have a, a thought because you know, they look really nice. The ones that look like icicles along the edge of um, you know, people's roofs. Yeah, they kind I of like they have, yeah, I like those. And I was like, well, you know what though? This is kind of interesting because icicles are kind of a a sign of inefficiency and heat loss through into the roof and melting. Is because of that you get ice dams. So there's kind of like an inefficiency there. So the house might get more efficient, but then we put these things out that look like the old icicles, so we burn some electricity <laughs> in honor of those old <laughs> icicles. Well, I mean, they are. They are. <laughs> yeah, you know, either way, it, you come out uh, the short end. <laughs> you know, you have to deal with, you have to put up with something, no matter what, you know. Uh, and I guess, you know, lately, I've been trying to figure out, and this is right up, right in your wheelhouse, I think. Um, you know, but by the way, if for those of you who just started tuning into Troubadours and Rock On Tours, those of you who have been listening for a while, you know, because Todd's been around since the beginning of our program way back. I mean, we're in our 301st episode right now. Um, wow, this yeah, this is the 301st wow. episode. Um, he's our resident philosopher. You know, he's also a farmer, a winemaker, among other things, stationed up there in Stockbridge, Vermont. And uh, so, but... Putting that in, in the just, uh, just in the you know, I've, I've decided to take on the, the 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 title instead of philosopher. I like philosopher a little better. How does that How does that work? I don't get F F F A U X. Ah, philosopher. F-A. <laughs> what do you think is too uh, presumptuous to say philosopher? Is that what it is? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Because well, only because I know that there are certainly some people that are well, far more well versed than myself. But hey. I get you. <laughs> I you know, you're. I am proud to say you're our resident philosopher. I am. So I don't give a, a darn about what other folks might, you know, with these ideas of grandeur and and judgment would say about you and your your uh, your, your. I don't know. You have tons of their their epistemological existentialism. existentialism. Yes. <laughs> See, there might there you go. You're, you're saying big words that most of us don't even understand. So thus, I don't you know. either. <laughs> You're 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 definitely qualified. Um, so sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But you were going to ask no, me something. I, I'm I was trying. I'm trying. You know, it's if I was saying how either way you come up with the short end or what have you, and I constantly for years, and we talk about this often, especially with on the program, but especially with you. Uh, 
you know how to how to navigate how to life basically and and uh, your your sense of self your sense of uh, the the larger world and what have you i don't even know how to define it um and oftentimes i go to the east you know i last time we spoke we were talking about taoism and we were talking about um uh, also Buddhism, uh, and, right. and, uh, the kind of the overlap and also the differentiation, uh, between the two, uh, ways of thought. And I, again, I'm, I'm there, you know, I've been reading, um, some, some texts and, uh, on Taoism and Buddhism and, and man, it's tough for, especially this time of year, it gets tough for me. Um, maybe because of the weather, maybe because of the commercialism uh, reconnecting with family, which has a lot of good uh, to it, but also sometimes it, it be, stirs up things. There's a, yeah, there's some tension sometimes, yeah. Yeah, well, it just makes you think about it's, things. Yeah. You know, that maybe you've buried, you know, or yep. or what have you. And, uh, you know, how do you, how do you deal with all that? How do you look at, you know, where we are, who we are, where we're going? You know, like bodhisattva comes to mind, being a p- compassionate individual and also being a spiritual warrior. That's another, you know, phrase you hear when people are talking about Taoism or Buddhism or what have you. What, wow, how do you do it? How, how do you, how do you keep yourselves to yourself together? That's a good question. That, and, and I guarantee even the, the, um, the greatest gurus, if they are the greatest gurus, ask themselves that from time to time. Um, the, the thing is that the fact that you're even asking the question means that you're living an examined life already. So I think on some levels it's the, it's the harder path, but it's – think about you know I, I, how much human potential there is. And I think about people who are – you know, have such amazing athletic capabilities. Other people that have amazing uh, abilities to sing. You know, the ability to do astrophysics. That, that that's inside of all of us to some degree or another. And you know, there's certain people who take certain aspects of themselves very far in one way or another. But we all have the potential to develop lots of aspects of ourselves. But we have to kind of take a look at ourselves to do it. Um, and I gotta believe that that process uh, is helps enrich our own lives and the lives of the people around us that we interact with, and that in the face of great, you know, the immensity of the knowledge of the world and the capacity for what humans can do, I think that there's if you look at it that way, there's automatically a humbling component in it that does make us better people. Simply in taking an introspective um, path through life, even though it may it, it may be more difficult in some ways. But uh, I don't know. I guess that's, you know, to me, that's part of what the human journey is about. We've only got this one time here and, you know, you're going to spend a certain time amount of time of it on the couch, but, you know, zoning out. But really, the, the clock's always ticking for all of us. And so... Um, how do we engage in the world in a way that's productive and uh, progressive and in a way that accepts the fact that change is a constant and tries to move with it as fluidly as possible 
And you know, it, it, if if you care at all about humanity, try to leave you know things a little bit better than uh, than when you got here. So it's it's kind of like it's it's a life choice, and then once you make it, it's uh, something you try to follow. Um, and it's different from necessarily. I mean, you can get to it through philosophical pursuits potentially or through religious pursuits but i think it's got to be a personal choice to then see any of those other aspects as tools you can use to uh engage in the process rather than the end in and of itself if that makes sense when you say the end in and of itself what, what do you mean by that yeah just being becoming really good at understanding a single philosophy or becoming very devout in a single religion um you know ideally they're hoping they're also, you know, hoping to improve the human potential of an individual and humanity as a to- total thing. But, you know, that's kind of like, it's a guideline that I think people should use, but it's, it, th- that shouldn't be the, the only guiding and, and judging force in, in an individual's life. Right. So you shouldn't just be a total uh, monastic, devout Buddhist monk or or a Catholic who follows to the to the uh, T, so to speak, to, to each word of the of the Bible, or you know, or just you know, it, have some like reality to it in terms of like among the Catholic orders. I kind of think the Jesuits are interesting in that their <clears throat> their study is about um, understanding the cultures that they interact with and really integrating them. And uh, finding ways to communicate on that level, as opposed to directly from their own perspective. Well, to a certain uh, extent. I mean, I've to, read. Yeah. I, I've read. I hear you. I mean, compared in the context of other, comparatively, yeah, yes, other, other evangelical sects. Right, right. But you know, you talk to some uh, the indigenous people here on this continent, and they don't necessarily like the Jesuits, nor would um, because they were, you know, basically. In a, in a in a nicer way, still saying you don't have it right. This is the way you should be. Well, exactly, exactly. You know, the missionary, so to speak. You know. Yeah. So I, I use that kind of as a a gauging metaphor, more so than a uh, an absolute. Well, that makes we, sense. No, I I understand what you're saying. I totally do. We do have uh, some listeners um, in in Mount Vernon, uh, Washington State, and I believe. A good number of those listeners, hey folks, uh, by the way, hello, thanks for listening. Uh, a good number of those folks are people of the First Nations. Um, so, I, you know, I want to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. speaking to some of their, maybe like, whoa, I can't believe you just said that, you know, because, and, and plus I believe that anyhow myself for my own studies, limited as they are, of our of our history on, on this continent. But I hear what you're saying, you know. Um, for me, anybody that's too devout, is 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 missing the point as i think you're saying you know uh of being a better person then you're you're i don't know i mean should you give yourself up i mean in, in some ways that to is, another authority to, right. to such a degree right or to some scripture uh, you know uh, words that you're interpreting are being interpreted for you and it's a weird it's a weird thing because ego you know, too big of an ego, uh, then you can never be compassionate, you know, enough or are selfless to the point where you are love and you are without 
an ulterior motive. And we usually would say that is a better way to live, the better way to be. Though some folks would say it'll be taken advantage of and it'll be squashed by the society we live in. Nonetheless, that you know, it's not about you so much. You're not doing it because you're trying to gain something. So I, you know, maybe you have to give yourself up is what I'm saying if you want to get there. But what are you giving yourself up to when you're giving yourself up to somebody or some uh, group that says you must judge other folks differently or, or, or saying they're wrong because they're not living right. by based, these words? Based on the guidelines I'm giving you. Right. That's not good. I think we would agree. Yeah. I'm confused as hell, Almighty Todd. I really am. The older I, I am get, too. I, I know. It's like I wanted. There's a bumper sticker I wanted to put together, which was like, uh, you know, be suspect of libertarians who support authoritarians. Because <laughs> it's I see it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you can expound on that if you like. I, I don't even know what to how how to make sense of it. But that's what that's it. Because but it happens, and it's like that doesn't shouldn't make sense. That should be uh, like mutually oppositional concepts, but mutually exclusive. Yes. Yeah. Go. Go figure. Well, it's the same thing with uh, devout Christians who support uh, someone who has little morality. Uh, you know, and I, we're alluding to number forty-five. Of course, I think uh, we have certain groups in our country who support forty-five, the Trump. And and the, uh, I don't say it, but the, I'm sorry. Though sometimes you have to say it. Though uh, I think uh, so that and we. But you have to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I I threw holy water on myself as I said it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know uh, they still support this this person, even though what he does, if you look at it, goes against what they say they they deeply believe in. But they're willing to uh, subvert that in favor of some higher goals or other goals yeah i guess they figure it's a good which, uh, trade-off yeah which is cr- you know crazy because they're the you know they're worried about jihadis who are devout muslims who are coming over here but you know a- accepting the roles of moles and doing things that they would not normally be allowed to do under islam but it's in in service of jihad it's like you t- yeah, I don't know. It's like the the meaning of hypocrisy has kind of been vaporized. Hypocrisy, tr- yeah. Truth doesn't really matter anymore. It's well, subject. I mean, truth still does matter, but hypocrisy seems not to. Well, no, truth doesn't matter. I mean, it, 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 I mean, I think it matters, but in, in so many people's minds today, it, it it's like there's no absolute truths uh, at yeah. all. There's no facts aren't aren't really facts. Well, uh, that's if you're too lazy to actually do the work. To sort through it, just because there's a you know crap storm of information coming in our direction doesn't mean we're absolved of the responsibility to sort through some of it. Yeah. That's just that's the that's it's like it's raining hard and you got to put the buckets out to deal with the the leaks in your roof. It's just like you that's the reality that we're living in right now. So you got to do you got to do the work. So um, you know to that end that kind of you know this, that segues to this idea of you know if truth is a problem right now. You know, I I think that there's, this is going to be a big year, and there's going to be a lot of interesting things that happen. Um, and you are listening to Troubadours and Rock on Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. That I wonder because of the divisions that have been built up in our country, in our society, in our country, be, yeah, because like of what's actively, going on, actively fomented. 
Yeah, in society. Yeah, I, I, well, you mentioned truth and reconciliation. Reconciliation, yeah. I, I wonder South Africa, it, Mandela. Or, but also other places. It's, that, um, it's also used in the context of hate crimes, or at least it's being explored as a, an avenue for dealing with that, that or you know, in the avenue of restorative justice. And I really wonder if, if a problem is going to be uncovered that's so big that it's going to make our jaws drop. And that we're going to have to find a way through it. What do you mean? I just, well, we've, uh, I don't even know at this point because I feel like the tendrils of the story are so far reaching. We've become inured to the fact that it is this convoluted web of corruption and subterfuge. You're talking about, again, number 45. Yeah. Russia, maybe. Yeah, and the investigations that are going to continue. Yeah, that that continuing and you know the oversight, the long overdue oversight that needs to happen because you know one branch of government has not been doing its job, essentially, and is even refusing to right now in the form of McConnell saying he's not going to, you know, hold a, a a budget bill vote that the president won't sign it, even though it's a budget that they already approved in the last. Congress. I mean, in the last, you know, in the last session. session. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a second. I thought the way the process worked was you guys put it together and put it for, put it in front of him. He can veto it or not. If he vetoes it, it comes back to you. You vote on it again. It's like a preemptive That's the process. It's like a preemptive so to, veto. So to decide not to have the vote because you don't think it's going to pass is an obstruction of the pro- of process. I don't, right. You know, obviously that's not a crime, but it probably should be. Well, yeah, I, you know, it, it's not about debate. That. It's not about debate anymore. It's not about discussion. Uh, it's about winning. It's about you know strategizing so that you can better. It's have, about misusing misusing rules to accomplish uh, to ac- accomplish goals that are are partisan. And keep your keep your base happy so that you get reelected, and then just some of it's just ego, <laughs> just ego. There's that too, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, McConnell. I I think he's despicable. I do, I do. I think he's despicable. I just don't understand. Yeah, he's a despicable human being. That's oh, we've I'm... now had two Republican senators say they're not going to be going up for reelection now, um, and uh, both of them were members of the. Uh, the trip to Moscow on the Fourth of July last year. Mm. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, we're talking to well, uh, Mighty Todd here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Our first conversation of 2019 is our resident philosopher, a fall philosopher, as he likes to call himself, uh, up in Stockbridge, Vermont. Also a farmer and a winemaker, among other things. And uh, maybe we're being a bit negative. I don't know. We're starting off the new year with a negative. Are we just too whiny, you know, liberals or what have you? I don't know what you consider yourself. I mean, you lean to the left for certain. But uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, this is where it's like you can't be a moderate anymore without no. without having you, you speak about one view. It's like, oh, if you say that, you must be a lefty. It's like, well, wait a second. No, I can have – I'm in a position where I can – have multiple views that aren't necessarily contradicting of one another, and I, I, I can have, um, you know, a liberal social mindset while still thinking along the lines of fiscal conservatism. 
Well, yeah, you don't want to put your Christmas lights up and leave them on too long. It's only you know because of your wife that you leave them on because you don't want to pay high electric bills. You're a fiscal conservative, gosh. Right. It. I also want to fix the water pipes in Vermont. Now that we find out we've got lead in our school system, and it's gonna, they think it's going to take two years to test all the pipes. It's like what the hell? No, I want. We, we need to invest in getting those fixed now because you know right now. Based on the demographics of Vermont, our children are our greatest resource for people that have them if we can keep them here in the state. And we don't want them drinking out of lead water fountains. Oh, you know? that, yeah. Because the cost of that far outweighs. And so that's a social – that is a liberally social choice that's also fiscally sound. It's fisc- people don't yeah. understand that you can have these these ideas. Well, what's the negative uh, economically to uh- – Lead water pipes and and uh, how it's going to affect uh, your, you know the children. What's the what's the economic downside? The long term effects of of lead in, in kids um, kids water. Yeah. What's the what's the? It's economic? profound. Uh, yeah. What, what it can do to IQ and the long term ability to to function. And it's, it's it's I mean, if you read it all about you know the. the the, the perspective damage from what's happened in Flint, it's really depressing and scary to think how many people are potentially facing, you know, long-term health, you know, both physical and mental health consequences. Yeah, Flint, Michigan. Because of because of a cheap, you know, cheap decision that got made. That yeah. once it got made, it was, it was you know, like irreversible. It, it polluted everything. Yeah, you know, some yeah. some fiscal conservative. Made that decision. Yeah, that was, I still don't know what uh, that the, was at the root of that decision in Flint, and then they just hid it from the people for yep. a, a long time. You know, a criminal act for certain. Um, but yeah, was it just that, just trying to save money rather than fix the problem? Uh, you okay, know, sorry, sorry, to, we're going negative again. We yeah, were trying yeah. to, we were trying to, we were trying to turn it around. But the the point is, that I think that you know we're in a place where I think it's hard to be moderate and not have somebody want to push you to one side of the fence or the other. Um, but you have to kind of hold fast. And that's where if you are being introspective and really are true to what you think, um, it, it just gives you a little bit of grounding. Well, do we have, I mentioned bodhisattva earlier, that word, that term. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Bodhisattva. I'm thinking about the Steely Dan tune uh, to remember the pronunciation. Can, <laughs> you know, can we be compassionate in, in this society, in this day and age and, and, and get anywhere? Or are you going to be walked on? You're going to be pushed to the to the side because you have to be either with us or against us. Who are you? What are you about? Are you going to do what it takes? All that kind of mentality. It seems predominant. Well, here, here's the thing. Is I think you've got to make your choice on a day-to-day basis where you put your energy and whether you think it's going to have a positive effect or if it's, you're throwing it down a black hole. I mean, we all do have a finite amount of energy in our day and in our lives. Um, so I, I think while we're still mere mortals, it pays to be careful and, you know, sensible about how we engage. But from the point of view of like a bodhisattva, you got to understand that the term bodhisattva is, is basically somebody who has already reached nirvana or has the capacity to have reached nirvana, but chooses not to go to that place, but to use their understanding to stay with um, stay in the world and help other suffering beings. Right. Right. So they they are already enlightened. 
Yes, but they take on they take they still take on suffering, even if it's not necessarily their own. Right. And they may they may experience some of their own because of that. So I guess you can argue that they can handle taking on the suffering because they are at an enlightened state. Uh, they could they could afford to be compassionate because they're strong enough to be, if that's the right word. Uh, though most everyday people are not bodhisattvas, they're they're not enlightened, and I am certainly not. Uh, and uh, but still, but you can trust you can trust your own compassion. You can trust other people's compassion, and, and know that you know it's one of those strange things. But especially now that uh, the tax code has changed, and a lot of people are taking the larger standard deduction and may not be doing deductions for charity the way they have previously because um, it doesn't have the same kind of tax consequences for them. But uh, So charities are like aware of this and talking to their donor base to make sure that folks are still helping them out. But that kind of it's, – it, it's cr- crazy, but the, the lower end of the income scale gives more to charity than – in by percentage than the upper – brackets do yeah that's even the way with if you talk to anybody who is a server you know a waitress or a waiter that's the way they find it when they're being tipped people that are middle class or 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 less uh, in terms of uh, wealth tip better than those who are wealthy because they understand what it's like to be on the other side of that table that's correct all right almighty todd here again it's wonderful talking with you we have a couple minutes left it goes by so quickly talking with you sir uh how are we going to wrap this conversation up you know we're we're talking about, uh, oh, my God, so many things. Uh, compassion. We're talking about lead pipes and holiday lights. and Oh, I, I know. Let's, and, we'll, we'll, we'll start it. We'll come in a different direction again. But I'm curious. Um, is there anything uh, from your holiday experiences? Is there like a favorite food, like, uh, like a nostalgia food that you, you have or something that's like part of the whole – yeah, um, complex that like you you gotta have over the holidays. Yeah, you. I mean, yeah, uh, we we have uh, a lot of fish on Christmas Eve in my family, and, and one of them in particular I love is the uh, smelts. I love the smelts. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, smelts are so good. Yeah. Why do you ask? I just I you know, I've been talking to people about food and and the holidays recently because everybody does usually have something that really is. Um, is their thing because this year we were so out of sorts because we were doing the work in the house and stuff. We had really a couple of quiet, you know, Christmas quiet New Year's here, and we were basically eating leftovers from <laughs> stuff we had had during, during the week. Um, so I, we really kind of fell out of step with some of the normal things that we would have had. So it got me thinking, and uh, I'll have to keep my eye out because usually this time of the year there is some smelt that comes through the farmers market. Thank you for reminding me. So you're going to get some. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeding you some ideas. So that oh yeah, literally oh, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, bread, bread them up, put them in the fry pan. I like how the the tail gets crunchy. Mm, oh, exactly, they have to be nice and crunchy. Yes, not yes. the soggy. Soggy or no, they're not done nope. right. No, nope. got to do them hot. It's got to be hot. Skillet's got to be real hot. And some nice red wine with it, rosé. Yep, I like. I know no white is probably proper, but I probably, like. No, the, no, rosé is a good call with them because because yeah. you're they're, they're they're so savory. You're you're eating the bones too. Yep. they're really good. Oh, Todd, I guess All right, brother. <laughs> that's a good a good place to put it. So you, are you hopeful for the new year? Uh, well, hope is a bad yes. word. Hope is a bad yes, word, I, I think. Well, I, I am, I'm trying to remain positive about the potential. And I will do my best to support positive uh, developments. 
Beautiful. <laughs> that, that that sounded very non-committal, <laughs> but uh, I'm not much for uh, resolutions. <laughs> so no, I, I I understand that. I respect that. Uh, and the reason I say hope is not a good word is again my my reading of Eastern uh, thought. Hope and fear are linked. They're both empty mm-hmm. pursuits or empty, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ways of of trying to govern your life. Uh, so and unhealthy to a great extent. So that's why I said that in case anybody was wondering. Almighty Todd, I, you're my brother, and I'm happy to say you're my brother. I mean that uh, truly. I don't throw that around to, you know, like, you know, uh, just to anybody. You're my brother, and I'm. I, I and hear it, you, man. It's yeah, wonderful from, to have from you that on the first, show. From that first fateful day, yes, uh, it, was, it was kind of uh, meant to be intertwined, I think. I, I, and I look forward to seeing you again in real life. Yeah, me too. Me too. Tell your beautiful, significant other, your wife, Andrea, I said, hey. I will. And you do the same to your clan. I will. I will. Ciao, fratello. Ciao, brother. Did I slip? No, stumble. Did I trip? Because I know I fail. All I know is I wake up here in my clothes tomorrow Oh girl, wish I knew you well Oh girl, wish I knew you well But I'm saying hi, hi Tell your answering bell Did I run? Thought I was walking Do your in the names will change, but the constellations still falling. Oh, girl, if you could only say. Oh, girl, if you could only say. And I'm just sitting high, Let your tears fall and touch my skin. Then your thunderclouds can rage in there I will collect them all for you and butterfly charms Oh girl, I built your wish and Oh girl, I built your wish and And I'm just saying hi, hi to your answering bell Did I sleep? Must have been dreaming Did I weep? Cause I cried like hell All I want is your fortress of tears to crumble Oh girl, tear them down to sand Oh girl, the stories they can tell
Now we have a little article here from the New Yorker magazine, published January 3rd, 2019, by Rianne Conk, titled, Bad News, Good News. The bad news is that it seems like that creepy guy might be following you. The good news is that it's just so he can warn you about the bigger, creepier guy who is also following you. The bad news is that I have no way to tell you how my double thumb amputation went. The good news is that it went great. The bad news is that we've crashed on a desert island. The good news is that your three favorite books, movies, and albums of all time have gotta be around here somewhere. The bad news is that last night was the puppy rapture. The good news is that all of the telephone poles and bulletin boards in town are currently so cute that we've nearly forgotten about all the missing puppies. The bad news is that you had that dream where you're giving a speech and realize halfway through that you aren't wearing any pants. The good news is that the speech was to accept the award for never wearing pants guy. The bad news is that you have jaundice. The good news is that you got the diagnosis on your way to interview for the position of tiny Google Maps man. The bad news is that I don't know what sports writers are talking about when they refer to the G-O-A-T. The good news is that I get to believe it's a goat-getting acupuncture until told otherwise. The bad news is that my friend hates my gallows humor. The good news is that he will be dead soon. The bad news is that your picnic has been swarmed by ants. The good news is that they're doing a funny ant flash mob and will be gone as soon as the song is over. The bad news is that I got a stain on my favorite dress shirt. The good news is that the stain is in the shape of a little guy struggling to scrub a stain out of his even tinier shirt, which puts things in perspective. The bad news is that everyone's looking at me like I'm supposed to know how to pull this plane out of its tailspin. The good news is that at my funeral, my parents will be able to use their famous catchphrase, being a pilot seems like a bad choice for someone with amnesia, Greg. The bad news is that you've got hat hair. The good news is that it's better than your usual look, which is bald. The bad news is that you're definitely experiencing your first earthquake. The good news is that your mom says, No, you're not. That is just what happens when you kick a vase off the table. The bad news is that you brought a knife to a gunfight. The good news is that while everyone else was fighting over what the best gun was, you were able to sneak in and stab them. Not enough to hurt them, just enough to let them know that you were ready to break for lunch. The bad news is that you missed pony up, saddle up, and giddy up on your important ups of the Wild West quiz. The good news is that your teacher was so pleased that you remembered Cowboy Up for extra credit that she made a little joke in the margin of your quiz, saying that she would be happy to round up your grade. And something about the way she drew a little smiley face next to her comment made you feel giddy and weepy and nauseated 
all at the same time. First poem of the year, and beyond empty hope and distracting fear, together and on our own we stand on the brink to think we thought we had it all figured out. Come on, come on, baby now, twist and shout. I certainly must indeed be your lover and friend, so let us go into this good day as not to pretend. Such a drag to want something sometime. One thing leads to another, I know. Was it time I wanted you for mine? Nobody knew. Now my place to know what 
Episode 301 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. Let's give thanks to those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, regular contributor, resident philosopher, farmer and winemaker, Almighty Todd. I also like to thank writer Rian Khan as well as these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Steely Dan, Middle Kids, Ryan Adams, Frank Black, Antonio Vivaldi, Federico Augustino, The Pretenders, Brantford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard too. Until next week, let's try to enjoy this one, I suggest. We understand you're listening to us in Japan, in Denmark, Finland, Norway, Sweden, in France, in Spain, in California, in Missouri, in Washington State, in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in Louisiana, in New York City, in Vermont, in Maine, in New Hampshire, oh, and many places in between and outside of those areas that we construct to understand our physical space on this globe. It's so wonderful to have you. 
I'm honored. Thanks so much for being with us.